Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters, Ballers on a Budget. My name is Matt and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you and what are you drinking today? Uh, I'm great and uh, I'm actually just drinking uh, boring water right now. Yeah, the, uh, the beer needed a rest. Yeah, too yeah. much uh, ABV in it. Too much of a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm drinking water as well. So, hey, it's boring, but oh well, that's okay. Uh, we're allowed to have days like that sometimes. And uh, we're going to talk today to – we have a guest on the show. We're going to talk about student loan refinancing, a question we get asked a lot about. So we're going to get into it. But before we do, if you guys have questions about personal finance or anything, student loan stuff, whatever you got, send us your questions to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And, of course, we always want catchphrases for the beginning of the show. And you can send them to our Twitter account. It's at Money Matters Man. Today's catchphrase, ballers on a budget, was sent to us by at Trevor D43. Thank you, Trevor. And let's get into it. Our guest today is Mike Cagney. He is the co-founder of SoFi.com. Mike, how are you this afternoon? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm drinking water as well, but I have a cold. That's why. See, <laughs> it's okay. We're allowed, to, uh, we're allowed to have water. Water is very good for you. It is. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, SoFi and your background with student loan refinancing, if you would. Sure. So SoFi was started back in 2011, uh, incubated out of the Stanford Graduate School of Business. And effectively, uh, with a couple of my colleagues, we were thinking about the idea of a financial marketplace. So a, a situation where you could work within a community of folks who you knew, who cared about you, who you cared about, um, keep your capital local and, and do things that benefit everyone. And we we're looking for a vertical to demonstrate the efficacy of this kind of a model, this kind of approach. And the thing that stuck out to us was student loans. And, and on the surface, it might seem a little bit weird to pick student loans as a first product because in the press, you read all the time about you know, the impending student loan crisis, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, the reality is it's, it's a relatively large industry. It's a little over a trillion dollars of outstanding student loans. Um, at the time, 65% of the students at Stanford Graduate School of Business were borrowing. So we had a lot of folks who were using the product. And, you know, most importantly, it fit this idea of a community marketplace where we could get alumni who cared about the school and the students investing in a fund, lending to students and creating that explicit social contract. And the idea behind that is, you know, from a borrower standpoint, you tend to behave better when it's your community lending you money. And from the lender standpoint, you've got not only an economic interest for the borrower to succeed, but also you're vested personally in their success because of the alumni affiliation. And so that was that was the original premise behind it. And, and back in 2011, we went out to 40 alumni, raised 50,000 bucks a piece uh, for a $2 million loan fund and let $20,000 out to 100 students. And, and that kicked off SoFi. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just trying just to understand try- what, um, like what what SoFi is, and and how does it help people who have student loans? Sure. So so what's happened is the the business model has evolved where we do some in school lending, but we do a lot of refinancing at this point. In fact, it's the majority of what we've done. We we do we did over 100 million of refinancing in June. We'll do over 120 125 million in July. And effectively, what we're able to do is is go into a situation where you've graduated. You've gotten employed, and you're just not the same credit that you were when you were in school. And it's a situation for us to go in and offer a meaningful reduction in your interest rate, meaningful dollar cost savings, and also bring some community externality to it as well. So, for example, if people in our community, if they ever lose their jobs, we freeze their loans and go out and get them reemployed. We've done that for 29 different borrowers at this point. Or if they want to start a business, we'll freeze their loan and put them in the entrepreneur program and help them raise capital to, to get a business kicked off. And, and we've done that almost 20 times now. 
And so the, the idea is to generate a meaningful economic savings. So our borrowers today save over 11000 uh, bucks over the lifetime of their loan by refinancing with us, uh, but also bring some community externality to it as well uh, that, that adds value beyond the economics of the loan. So uh, I'm curious, uh, what kind of interest rates uh, do you think are refinanceable by you guys? Sure. So we, we tend to focus pretty heavily on a couple of different categories. So uh, Grad Plus, um, Parent Plus now. So we actually do a lot of Parent Plus refinancing. Uh, and, and to a lesser extent, the old uh, grad programs, the old Stafford 6.8% rate. So you know anything in a six handle and above, there's a decent opportunity that we can go in and, and provide a meaningful economic savings to refinance. Awesome. So uh, one of the things that uh, was asked to us is can an NJ class or an HESSA loan be refinanced? Which is I that's from my brother, and uh, that's local to I believe New Jersey State. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with individual state loans. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. We can we can absolutely re, we we can refinance state, federal, and private loans. the The thing to keep in mind is with state loans, or sorry, with federal loans, you have certain borrower protections that you can give up when you do a private refinancing, and, and notably. Federal loans guarantee uh, pay-as-you-earn, which is the, the most recent adjustment the Obama administration did to student lending, uh, income-based repayment, uh, economic hardship forbearance, and, and potential loan forgiveness after public service. So private lenders like SoFi offer some of those features. So we have unemployment protection, uh, and, and in fact, I'd say a more robust unemployment protection because not only do we freeze your loan, but we also get you reemployed through the network. Uh, but we don't have uh, loan forgiveness for public service, for example. So you want to be very cognizant when you go and refinance a loan, what the trade-offs are in terms of the economic savings, community externalities versus the, the benefits embedded in the loan. Um, state loans have a lot less uh, features and it varies state by state, but they have a lot less protection uh, relative to the federal loan. So they, they tend to look a lot more like a, a, a traditional private loan. Right. And, and uh, when you do a refinance, we're looking to get a lower interest rate. Is that always the case? Y- yeah, it's... That should be the primary driver for you okay. to do the refinancing. So we want to be able to deliver, first and foremost, an economic savings to you and then community benefit beyond that. Hmm. So um, I, I know that the, you could have like a, a federal loan or a government loan and a private loan. Do you think that uh, – are there cases where people find it useful to consolidate federal government loans? Like is that something that you might recommend? Yeah, I, I think the, the benefit of consolidation is it, it just reduces the number of servicers you have to interface with. And, and that, that helps you on a couple of different fronts. It certainly helps you from a payment standpoint because you're paying one source versus lots of sources. Right. It also helps you uh, in the context that if you ever need help, so if it's a federal loan, you're consolidating it, and let's say you get you lose your job and you need economic hardship protection, you're calling one servicer instead of five to get that protection put in place, and and the risk of that falling through the cracks is much lower. It's certainly one of our value propositions has been the ability to consolidate the loans into one low rate, and the the one thing to keep in mind with federal loans when you consolidate is you're not actually lowering the rate, you're just doing a weighted average blend of the rates. And so it, it isn't always advantageous in the sense that if you want to pay your higher rate loans off first, um, you can't do that once you consolidate because everything blends into the, the arithmetic average. Yeah. So it's something to keep in mind. Now, um, when you do a refinance, because 
are you refinancing and it is with your company or however you decide that you want to refinance your student loans if at all possible if you decide that you outweigh the the benefits of let's say you all have private loans and you want to just refinance maybe consolidate or whatever uh don't would you can you refinance and keep the same term like the, the same length of the loan while reducing your um interest rate or do you have to you know go back to say a 10 year term or a 20 year term or whatever so, so what we do is, in general, we offer 5, 10, and 15-year terms. And, and what we see a lot of folks do is when they have six or seven years left on their loan, they actually go for the five-year term because the rate is, is significantly lower. And, right. and that's just a function of where rates are. payments are, are higher, right? Uh, payments are, payments are, are higher, although offset by that lower rate. Sure. Um, if, if someone came to us and said, look, I, I want to go straight from a 7 to a 7, we would do it for them. As, a, as an exception basis, but generally we just have a course 5, 10, and 15, and, and most folks find one of those to fit. Interesting. So, I mean, so it's possible. Yeah. And and consolidation is something that you recommend, or is it something that, I mean, because I understand the idea that blending them all together might not be in your best interest. I guess it depends on where your interest rates stand as it is. Right. So if you, if you have a whole bunch of loans with the same rate, uh, consolidation, and let's say, let's start off with, I just have federal loans as an example, and they're all the same rate. Uh, consolidating is certainly going to make my life easier because I'm going to have one servicer. And to the extent that I ever need anything like, uh, you know, economic hardship forbearance, I have one person to go to to ask for it. If I've got significantly different rates, let's say I've got a 7.9% grad plus loan and a 3.4% subsidized Stafford loan. I might not want to do that consolidation because I might want to direct any excess cash I have to that 7.9% loan and pay it down faster. Whereas I don't necessarily need to pay that 3.4% loan down faster and I might not want to pay it any faster than it's contractually obligated to pay down. So it's just a, a point of consideration that if you have loans with significantly different rates uh, and you're just thinking about consolidation, not refinancing, mm-hmm. then you want to take into account, the, the, on the one hand, the ease of consolidation, the benefit it's going to give you in terms of having a single servicer versus the flip side of being able to pay your higher rate loans down faster. So uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, do you only uh, refinance and help people consolidate who are graduates or will you do it for, for people who are currently in school? So we don't do it for folks that are in school, and, and we do do a limited amount of in-school lending, but we don't do the consolidation at that point. Our, our, our view is that you're in a much better position to consolidate when you graduate uh, and you're employed. And, and quite frankly, for most folks outside of you know, primarily MBA programs, we, we actually encourage people to take federal loans while they're in school because they've got so many embedded protections in them that it's worth a slightly higher rate in most circumstances to take those protections. And then if you graduate and you get employed and you've got a good job and you're happy with what you're doing, you might not need those protections. And then you can look at doing a, a refinancing that'll save you some considerable money on the loans. But if something happens, you don't get that dream job or, or you change majors or what have you, uh, and you come out and you need extra time to pay off or you, or you need to reduce your payments against your income, those are all guaranteed in federal loan program. And so it's, it, there's some very powerful benefits there for in-school lending. We, we like to refer to it as a federal loan bridge program because you, you want to take those loans while you're in school. And then if you graduate, you get employed. There's better options. Got you. Yeah. I want to uh, go a little bit on to uh, the consolidation of government loans. We had a couple of questions from uh, listener Jen who had said that um, her parents – 
would have to co-sign on the consolidation together, which removes her from the equation. Uh, so, I mean, is that is like is consolidation an issue because people are young? You understand? You know what I mean? Yeah, and is is she referring to a federal loan, consolidating federal loans? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she shouldn't need a cosigner, a parent cosigner for that consolidation. Um, I think she might be referring to private loans, and and in that context, it, she may have needed a cosigner to begin with, and, and might need one to to consolidate as well. Uh, but for the federal loans, if, if they're already extended to her, um, and they're not parent plus loans, they're just loans to her. Uh, she she is effectively automatically guaranteed consolidation. I was going to say, like, what happens if your parents are on the loan and then they screw something up for you? Is that going to be an issue? Uh, if your parents are co-signers, the, the bigger risk is you screw something up for them uh, because they're they're basically a backstop to the loan. So there's not a lot they can do to, to screw you up. Uh, but well, if they you don't, not pay uh, if they decide if they take over the payments. Uh, th- that's right. That's right. right. And then it affects both of you uh, adversely. Okay. So. Um, so, but, but in general, when parents are co-signing, they tend to be a backstop for the loan, unless it's a parent plus loan, which is made directly to the parent. So not to the borrow, not to the student. Hmm. Um, hmm. I, you know, this, I, and you can, you can, you're saying that you can consolidate government and private loans together. So you have a couple of different options. And, and again, let's delineate between consolidation and refinancing. Yeah, let's do so, that. So government loans, you can consolidate, and what it does is it takes a blended average of your rate. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if I have 50000 at a 5% rate and 50000 at a 10% rate, I'll have 100000 at a 7.5% rate when it's consolidated. And I have one servicer, and, and that's an automatic process, and in doing so, I don't give up any of the federal protections embedded in the loan, so I still get all the, the features of income-based repayment, pay-as-you-earn, and so forth. Those stay retained in the loans. I can't consolidate a private loan into that because it's the government that's doing that consolidation specifically for government loans. If you have private loans, many private lenders will do a private loan consolidation. So if you have three lenders from Sally Mae, for example, mm-hmm. uh, they'll potentially consolidate those into one loan and potentially at a lower rate. And then oh, you have, so they'll do it on their own. They'll do it on their own. But okay. but those are those are private loans. They won't sure. touch the government loans. And then and then you have folks like us who will actually refinance private and federal loans together into a single loan. And so if you came to us and you had uh, 50000 grad plus and 20000 from Sally Mae, uh, we'll refinance you into a $70,000 loan, um, ideally at a, at a rate and term that are going to save you meaningful dollars over the life of the loan. And and you encourage people to do it that way? So if, if we encourage folks that have graduated, are employed, and aren't in a situation where they'd be an obvious candidate for a government forgiveness program. So for example, if you're in public service, we would discourage you from refinancing with us because you lose the opportunity to, to, to forgive your debt after 10 years. But if you're in the private sector, you're employed, you're making decent money, uh, then we would certainly put that option in front of you uh, with, the, with the understanding that there's certain protections in our loans, like unemployment protection uh, and, and the entrepreneur program as examples. Uh, but the, the dollar savings is so meaningful. It's gone, as I mentioned earlier, over $11,000 per borrower at this point. And, and that's pretty compelling to folks on a monthly cash flow basis. So uh, I'm gonna admit that uh, the stu- the whole student loan thing, 
Uh, it it just is. It feels very complicated, and and Matt and I are still, you know, like grapp- grappling our brains around it. And when we talk to a lot of financial people, and I guess uh, I, I can only imagine um, students or, or ex students, you know, graduates who who have loans that that they they're even possibly further away from understanding how this works. Is it is it possible like that they could then inquire with you guys to see? if it would make sense for them and then you guys would help them um, either by setting something up through you guys and you know consolidate or refinance or you would maybe advise them against working with you guys because it might not make financial sense yeah because I'm sure. wondering yeah I'm wondering whether uh, re- refinancing is a better option than just paying month to month if you can afford it Sure. And, and so we've got a lot of collateral on our website that talks about who should refinance and why and why you shouldn't. And then we've got a really good customer service team that can answer those questions as well. Uh, so e- we're easily reachable both online through the website, uh, through, through a 1-800 number that's online as well. But there's a lot of content and collateral that's, that's already on the site, which is basically our knowledge of doing this for the last couple of years. What are the questions that people ask and how do we address them? And uh, so, and you're absolutely right that, that student lending is, is much more complicated than it needs to be. And it, it's, it's been exacerbated by a couple of different circumstances. You know, one is if, if you're ever up late at night watching a movie, uh, you'll see a television commercial come on and someone talk about how they can help you with your student debt. Um, those are effectively folks that simply are just intermediating back to the government and, and putting you on government programs that you're entitled to anyway and charging you money for it. That's not a good thing to be doing. Um, the, the best thing to do when, when you're borrowing is, is first off, before you borrow, to understand how much you're borrowing and, and, and for what. So in other words, if I'm going to a school and studying engineering, how much can I expect to borrow and be able to pay back when I graduate based on that school's uh, employment uh, likelihood and, and average uh, starting salary? The second thing is, as I said, when you're in school, you should definitely do federal loans before you do private loans with a couple of exceptions. And the, the only real exceptions are in the MBA programs where you've already got professional experience and you know you're going to go back out into the private sector. But in general, in school, you should borrow federal loans. The, the point at graduation is to understand who your servicers are because to the extent that you need anything like extra runway to start paying your loans back or your loan payments are too high and you can't afford them, and you have federal loans, you have protections built in, and you have to go to your servicers to get those protections. And and the challenge is you might have five different loan servicers. You might have Sally Mae and Nelnet and Great Lakes, and you have to call each of them individually, which is a pain in the butt. Now, you can get rid of that pain in the butt through consolidation and consolidate into a single loan and a single servicer. The downside is you avoid the ability to pay off your high-interest loans first, but that, that could be more than offset by the ease of having a single point of contact to deal with all your, all your needs. The, the next step on that is if you want to go one step further, you could refinance your loans, whether they're federal or private or both, with a provider like SoFi. And in doing so, you're going to get an economic savings and get some community externalities. And it's, it's a relative uh, straightforward flowchart, and actually in the discussion, I'm, I'm realizing we should build one for folks to kind of show that whole decision tree that you need to go through when you graduate and what you should be doing. Yeah, because um, it is easily the the most asked about topic uh, in our audience, um, which definitely surprised me. Um, but 
I have I have a scenario, and and this actually wasn't a question asked, but I know someone personally who, who's in this scenario. Um, you know, he's now been out of school maybe seven or so years. Uh, has has a great job, but um, he had taken his student loans out a while ago, and and there was a little bit of a rocky start to begin with, and he didn't understand, you know. Uh, debt and the requirements to pay it and stuff like that. So now he's in a situation where um, his pay is garnished uh, for the student loan. Um, what does but that mean, garnished? Uh, so like the money is taken out um, before he gets it to pay the loan. I see. Right. So so he doesn't pay it like the the company kind of does it. Um, but uh, it's very also it's also very likely that his interest rate is extremely high. Um, would he be a candidate for someone that could refinance, even though he's in this garnished scenario? Yeah, it's not the, the garnishment that, that's so much the issue as, as is credit history. And it's very difficult for folks to refinance borrowers when they have an adverse action on their credit history. Although most lenders only look back three years. So this is something that happened four or five years ago. Uh, I think he'd be in an excellent situation to apply for a refinance uh, and, and see what can happen out of that. You know, it's funny, though, uh, if it's based on your credit, I would I would expect that uh, a lot of you know college graduates probably don't have any good credit because they haven't even had time to develop credit. Yeah, it's it's a great point, and and so folks like SoFi, we we tend to focus more on the amount of free cash flow that you have, okay. and we think that's a more important indicator in your ability to pay a loan back than your credit score. If you think about underwriting. Your credit score, your FICO score, is really a history. It's looking backwards into how you behaved. Your free cash flow is contemporaneous. It's whether or not you can make your payments today. And then your education tends to be forward-looking. It, it shows how robust you're going to be to the extent that you ever lose your job or, or go through a career shift uh, and be able to get reemployed and start making money again. Could you, could you maybe give some guidelines towards uh, what you'd be looking for in free cash flow? Like, you know, you need to maybe have 80% of your income available or, uh, you know, I'm not really sure how you guys gauge that. No, we, we do it on an absolute dollar amount. And, and this, is, this is where I think we, we, we diverge from traditional credit underwriting. So the way traditional credit has worked, um, it's been done against what's called a debt-to-income ratio. And that's exactly the percentage that you just alluded to. And, and it's you know what the percentage of your outstanding debt to your income is. Um, we look at it on an absolute dollar basis, a free cash flow basis. So we look at after you have to service your loan, do you have enough money to live where you're living? So um, the need of free cash flow in San Francisco is different than the need for free cash flow in Albuquerque. Mm. Uh, and we just want to make sure that you've got enough to pay your loan and pay your rent, buy food, and live your life. Um, and if you have that, then you're in a situation where we can underwrite you. And you know, generally, we're looking for on a minimum basis somewhere between fifteen hundred and two thousand bucks of free cash flow a month. So, uh, m- might be a silly question, but um, you know, uh, say I have the student loan and it's you know six point five percent, and you guys can help me out with a refinance. And I understand that you guys want to take that in house because then you'll earn interest on the loan. But this entire process, do you then? charge like like uh, you would get charged for a mortgage refinance yeah so there's no there's no origination fees and there's no prepayment fees on the loans so effectively you're just paying whatever the new interest rate is which which in almost every circumstance would be less than what you were paying before so the the basic process to refinance a student loan with with a private provider like sofi is you go on and you apply 
and we come back and give you a bunch of different options. We give you five, 10, and 15-year terms and fixed and floating rates, um, and you decide which option is appropriate for you. And if you want to go ahead and refinance the loan, then what we ask for is what's called a 10-day payoff form from your loan servicer. So you would go to your loan provider and get uh, effectively the amount we'd need to pay them to pay your loan off and bring it over to us. And then we will pay your loan provider off directly, and now you have a new loan with us. And that process is relatively straightforward. We've had folks do it in as quick as 10 minutes, and, and other folks take longer because their payoff information uh, was harder to get because the servicers made it more difficult. But you know, in general, it's a pretty straightforward process. And, and we again, our customer service folks help our borrowers get all that payoff information lined up so that they can get through the process quickly. I have what might be a dicey question. Uh, but so if somebody refinances, say through a private provider, yep. can they claim bankruptcy? Um, so it, they can claim bankruptcy in extreme hardship circumstances. So there, there have been, and, and as you know, in general, uh, both federal and private loans are protected from bankruptcy outside of extreme hardship. Uh, but but certainly extreme hardship positions have been made and, and supported through the court. So uh, even with regular uh, student loans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not as easy as claiming bankruptcy for other other liabilities, mm-hmm. but it, but it's definitely possible. And you know what we try to focus on in this circumstance is if if someone's in a situation where they're having difficulty making their payment. You know, let's say you know the, the most extreme cases they get on, they go unemployed. We're not going to ask them to make payments while they're unemployed. We're we're basically going to say, look, um, how can we help you get a new job through our community? What do you want to do? Who do you want to network with? How can we get you back earning again? And that's you know, it's dual purpose. It's great for the borrower, uh, but it's also great for us because we get people current back on their loans again. There's other situations where people just find themselves in over their head, and and situations where. Uh, for whatever reason, their income went down. They're still making money, but they're not making enough to cover the loan. In those circumstances, we'll modify the loan payments for them so that they can uh, get through whatever period they're going through. What What's frustrating for us is we get some folks who come to us to refinance, and you know they're they've got a hundred thousand in debt, and they're making twenty thousand dollars a year, which is crazy. And if they had federal loans, the federal loan program would reduce their payment in a way that would commensurate with the amount of, uh, of uh, income that they have. But more often than not, we find situations where they've got $100,000 of private loans. Mm. And in those situations, you're, you don't have a huge amount of option. Uh, and, and bankruptcy, unfortunately, is a very difficult path to go down in those circumstances. And, and so it's a, it's a very tough situation for a borrower to be in. And, and again, goes back to why when people are in school, we really encourage them to take federal loans. Got you. So uh, one thing that, that always, I think, brings up a lot of confusion, at least when, when discussing mortgages and stuff, is um, you know, the whole fixed versus floating uh, conversation. Yep. And uh, I'm guessing that uh, fixed will give you the initially, you know, lower rate. Um, but uh, what what do you advise? And I don't know if this is also a silly tack on question, but if it gets too obscenely high, can they literally refinance to fixed with you? Again? Sure. So so generally, fixed fixed is going to be higher than floating on day one, and and the reason being is that fixed you're locked in for the life of the loan. So, you know, for example, our, our fixed rates start off, I think, as low as 3.5%, um, and our floating rates start off at about 2.6%. Uh, 
And uh, the floating rates are capped at nine over the life of the loan, so they'll never go above that level. But that's still you know, relatively high. And, and so the, the issue on that is um, when you take a floating rate loan, you're taking interest rate risk. And if interest rates go up, uh, you're going to end up having to pay more. The problem is when interest rates go up, um, fixed rates are going to go up as well. So you're not going to be able to refi into the fixed rate that you had when you did the original floating rate. You're going to refi into a higher fixed rate. And so really with floating rate loans, you have to make a decision. If you're going to prepay that loan relatively quickly, if you don't see it as something that you're going to hold for 10, 15, 20 years, but instead maybe something you're going to try to pay off in five, you can get a pretty significant interest savings on a floating rate loan. Um, and if the loans cap like we do at 9%, you can calculate your worst case scenario to the extent that rates spiked up. Now, rates have never spiked up that high, but, um, but they certainly, that doesn't mean that they, well, in, in recent history, they haven't spiked up that high. It doesn't mean that they couldn't. Um, so, you know, generally we, we recommend folks that uh, anticipate that they're going to get bonuses or they're going to have excess free cash flow and they're going to pay that loan down quicker. You know, floating rate is a very attractive rate um, and it's much lower interest burden. Uh, if you need a longer duration, you're a little uncertain about your ability to pay that loan down faster. A fixed rate provides a lot of peace of mind. What's the uh, current uh, average rate that you notice customers consolidating and getting at the moment? Sure. Our average fixed rate is about uh, five and a quarter, I think. And that's for five, 10, and 15-year terms blended. And our average floating rate is about three and a half. Oh, really? Yep. So, I, all right. So to kind of wrap things up, and I have a very specific question to, uh, I have my brother in the room who has student loans, and he has about $27,000 in uh, HESA loans that are averaging around 7%, right? right? And he's about five years into paying, which is a, a, through a 20-year loan. Right. Do you think it's worth consolidating them? And will he save more money over the 15 years? So, for instance, he would like to pay them off faster, but by contributing the same amount every month. Uh, sure. And, and this is where he can go on to a site like ours or, or another refinancer and load up his situation. I think he's got a couple of good things going for him in that, you know, one, he doesn't have a huge amount of debt. Uh, so 27, I know it's, it's, it's crazy. It's above average. It, it, well, no, the average is now over 30. Oh, I uh, thought it was 26. No, it's over, it's it's moved up over thirty, yeah. and and we do we do a lot of refinancing of grad students, and consequently, our average loan sizes are closer to seventy. Wow! Um, but he doesn't have a lot of debt. He's got five years of work experience and, and five years of payment history, so that's that's a huge win. Uh, we take a lot of consideration into that when we do underwriting. Um, so you know, he, he definitely should take a look and and see what his savings would be under different scenarios. And, and effectively, we'll show him what a what his savings would be under a five, ten, or fifteen year term, fixed and floating. Uh, and you know, take a look and see if it makes sense to do it. Hmm. So, um, what I mean, besides just the refinancing and just in general loan, student loan in in general, but uh, what's your best advice for anyone struggling with crippling student loan debt? Your very best advice, if you're struggling, go to your servicer and, and tell them you need help. And if you've got federal loans, they have to help you. Uh -huh. There's a whole host of programs that you can get help from. If you have private loans, they should help you. And, and if they don't, uh, then you need to go up to the CFPB and, and, and tell your story. Because 
it's in everyone's interest, everyone who's a lender to, to help borrowers out, make sure they can stay current and structure a solution for them that works. And it works for both sides. Uh, nobody wins when someone defaults or someone has to go into bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, you know, you, you definitely want to reach out to your servicer. There's the, the federal servicers ha are, have, have been a little notorious for not being extremely responsive. And again, the Consumer Financial Protection Board is a great outlet. If you don't feel like your loan servicer is being responsive to your request for help, uh, they're a great outlet to, to get some help from. Cool. Well, Mike, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it was, uh, and, and I finished my water over the course of the show. So I'm now I'm re ready for another one. Perfect. <laughs> and, uh, so Mike, uh, sofi.com is the website. If uh, anyone has student loans and they're looking to refinance, it's a good place to start. I'm sure. And Absolutely. yeah. And, uh, again, if you're struggling, you know, there's plenty of help out there you know, we're here to help as well. And, uh, again, sofi.com is here to help. And I want to thank, uh, Jen and Jeff and, uh, Casey and my brother Dan for sending in some questions uh, to help us out through this interview because uh, again Andrew and I don't have student loans but we want to help you in you know paying off those student loans as fast as possible so we really appreciate all the questions and if you have any more that you would like to send to us you can email them over to listenmoneymatters at gmail.com and uh, please if you like the show and you want to hear more uh, leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher and uh, I'm going to read a, just a quick uh, review that we got from iTunes recently from uh, MMM Noob, which I don't know what that stands for, but mm, Noob, five stars. The Dave Ramsey show is freaking boring after listening to this and stacking Benjamins. You guys make this interesting and relatable. Thanks. I live in the East Village. Let's hang out. Uh, yeah. Mm, noob will hang out for sure. Dude, email us. Yeah. We'll set it up. Listen, money at gmail.com. Last but not least, if you want to learn more about personal finance, money management, student debt, loans. How to get rid of them fast out of refinance for sure. Uh, you can go to our website and check out this episode at listenmoneymatters.com. Mike, thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, that's it, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us, and we look forward to the next episode later. Later, man. <laughs>